Welcome to our first live broadcast of our rugby podcast called Playing Advantage. All about four mates talking about everything SA rugby without taking ourselves too seriously. Um, with me, I have my three very good mates Damien. Hi there. Kev. Hey. Keeks. How's it? And myself, Marco. Um, so, the setup of this podcast is literally just uh, four mates just chatting about rugby, basically the same thing that we would do around the pride, but uh, we thought, you know what, why not share it with the rest of the world, because we feel very important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've got such a cool tagline. Such a cool <laughs> tagline. Um, so, uh, what we'll be chatting about today throughout the podcast is a little bit of the first impressions of the weekend's rugby, especially the Springbok game, going through all of the World Cup results, um, chatting about the, the Bok ABs game, and uh, what we thought about that, looking at a play of the week, plonk of the week, uh, our reference, because we need to obviously have that and not uh, just mention that throughout the entire podcast, and then our predictions uh, for the very next uh, match uh, for the Springboks from the World Cup. But uh, as much as I like the sound of my own voice, uh, guys, so first impressions of the Bok game, uh, 30 seconds, go. First impressions. Uh, sure. First impressions. Quite, uh, quite interesting. The the game didn't go according to plan. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with our strategy that we that we decided to use. Um, well, that Fuff decided to use rather. <laughs> um, I think uh, we need to go back to the drawing board and and look at the way that we're playing. I think gifting possession to the best team in the world is not a smart idea and I think you need to be adaptable and you need to be able to change the way that you play. Um, very disappointed actually. Um, okay well for me my first impressions uh, obviously I have a lot to say about Fuff and the tactics as well but I'm going to try and save that for a little later. Um, but what I wanted to say as the first impressions is look at the difference between uh, what kind of rugby we've been playing versus um, World Cup rugby. It's World Cup rugby time, and obviously we love watching World Cups. It's so awesome, but um, the stakes are high now. I mean, we all saw Trevor crying. It's his, it's his hands brew because his World Cup's over, and um, I think my first impression, I just wanted to take the time to say, like, it's such a huge event. It only happens four years, and that's going to change everything, and it does change everything. And... Um, I won't get onto Faf now, but but that but that's one of the reasons that when somebody comes and, and, and takes control of the game, it's it's affecting everybody and it's huge for these guys. I just wanted to take a little human moment to be with the boys on the on the field in this in this incredible like time, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it no matter what happens. Yeah, I mean you could see um, the look on Sia's face absolutely uh, after that match. You could see it was, uh, what it meant uh, to him. So 100% agree with you. Um, yeah, my first impression. I think touching on what Cal just said. Um, injuries are actually going to play a massive role with this World Cup. I think, you know, you're going to get players that are going to miss out and that's going to change the makeup of whole teams and how teams go about their, their playing. I mean, losing Trevor, you, you've lost your <coughs> swing prop, so he covers two positions and now we've got a bit of a hole there. Um, and even if, say, Koch does step up, we lose something there. And the other, my other first impression was actually how terrible we were on defence. Um, I think it was 35 missed tackles, and it's just yeah, it's it, that's at that level it's not good enough playing what who's, what still is the best team in the world. You can't miss that many tackles. 
I didn't know you could have two first impressions, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have another one? (laughs) Let's stick to one. Um, Boys, I think my first impression uh, for the weekend's game is at the end of the day, we've, we've spoken about this before, that you win a rugby game one way and that's with ball in hand. That doesn't mean you have to run it from anywhere. I know we, we, we're sick of this conversation because we've had it for about three years' time, but you have to play with ball in hand. You can't kick everything away. And worst of all, you can't kick it to the most dangerous team on the counter-attack in the world. So why are you constantly on the front foot, not, you know, not only in your own 22, when you are progressing forwards, you want to kick the ball away when there's nobody chasing it's absolutely mind-blowing, but uh, let's get to that uh, in the results. Um, I think let me just wrap up and saying, keep ball in hand. We have the players. We have the wings. We've got the skills on the outside. Just back your boys. I mean, literally mm-hmm. back your boys. Um, but John, let's get to some of the results uh, of the weekend. Um, there was potential for a, a few shockers at halftime and then uh, then it pulled through. We thought this was going to get the, uh, the World Cup going in a very, very good way, but... Um, yeah, some interesting results. Dames, uh, take us through it. Yeah, results so far. Um, Japan beating Russia 30 points to 10. Um, Australia coming back to beat Fiji 39-21. France squeaking past Argentina yep. 23-21. And then obviously New Zealand beating South Africa 23-13. Italy beating Namibia 47-22. And half-time at the moment, Ireland-Scotland with 19-3. So... Um, obviously, that game plays into the South African World Cup journey. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think at the moment, with the results as is, we looking if we do get to the quarters, uh, Ireland are going to look at the or be the team that we have come up against. 100%. No major upsets so far, but I did want to highlight that Japanese game. Um, guys played very well. Yeah, yeah. Looking uh, good. Hundred percent. I think um, the the ball skills that we saw, the handling from the Japanese, were just. And I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, it was just fantastic. Yeah, and I think the difference between that game and our game was it was a bit of rugby, you know, and it was yes. exciting, exciting rugby to watch. I mean, that's what the World Cup's about. I mean, look at Fiji as well. You've got Fiji, oh, yeah. you know, coming up for the first, you know, 50 minutes playing really good rugby yeah. and really scaring Australia until they actually decide. To Maybe there's something up. to think about, like, you know, you're a South Africa or New Zealand coming into the, into the Rugby World Cup, you're expected to continue to win it. Maybe, maybe you know, your rugby playing style is a little different from, from the guys who are identified as the, the so-called minnows. Sure. And they can come here and just have a, as big a crack as they possibly can because there's less pressure on the situation, you know? I think it must be way more fun to play for a minnow side at a World Cup because there's a lot less pressure. 100%. I, I mean, like, honestly, watching the, the Japanese side throw the ball around, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, at, at the time, it was absolute magic. I'm excited to watch uh, Wales and Tonga. I think that's going to be... Mm. That's going to be great. I think uh, I have to say it. I think looking at the Islander teams, they don't get the best preparation mm-hmm. coming up to these tournaments so, or any tournament for that matter. When they play the Pacific Cup or Pacific Nations Cup, yeah, they don't get they don't get the support they deserve. And I think um, you know I'll always back them. And you know, it's it's half their player bases in Europe. So yes, yeah. and 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 a lot of these guys sign contracts that just that keep them. In Europe the whole time, and they just they're stuck. 
and yep. they aren't allowed to play for the national side, etc., etc. And it is it just kind of pisses on their parade, unfortunately. Or unless they play for New Zealand or Australia. <laughs> yes, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, we're <laughs> all Kiwis are big Wales or coaching. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, Kev, going back to your point, I think there was a little bit of an upset. I mean, we all know that France only play rugby every four years. And <laughs> funny enough, that only happens at the World Cup. So, I mean, uh, just in the Super Brew group that we have, I don't think any of us picked France. Um, so I did. Oh, well done, Keith. Uh, I, picked, I picked the jaw, funny enough. Okay. I thought that they would rock up because, as you write, France plays rugby every four years. If you're very right about that. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Argentina this World Cup. I think that peaked yeah. a bit soon. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. last year was their year. Um, and I think they've kind of fallen by the wayside. Also, I, I, I have a feeling. I have like a, a feeling I can't really explain that. So this is not the World Cup for them. Yeah, I also yeah. think they've played too much rugby. Yeah, I mean, the other way just, yeah, they've yeah. played as a team yeah. for you know a, a full two years, yeah. and you don't rest legs. Yeah, but super rugby. But let's not take anything away from France. I mean, really, they play some good rugby. They look good. That kit is something else. But I think they threw the ball around is what I'm actually I want a giant <laughs> rooster, big red rooster on my chest every time I play rugby. I'm a superhero. I've never um, heard that euphemism. <laughs> but I, I definitely think, I mean, I've read about this, this guy uh, beforehand, the young scrum off uh, for France. I think he's definitely a player to watch, especially in this World Cup. I mean, he just pops up everywhere. I mean, if there's broken play, he just, he's there. It's a good supporting lines and his service is Magnificent. So, reminiscent really, of uh, the Yankees. So. Yeah. yeah, really nice to have a scrum off that passes the ball. <laughs> okay, Dave, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hold back, hold back. But uh, maybe that is just the perfect segue uh, to talk about the All Blacks versus the Springboks. Guys, 23 13. Um, it was a. I don't want to even say a scrappy match because, you know, it, we didn't really pitch up in certain senses. Uh, it, it felt like uh, there's some guys who were ready for this, who were ready to put everything on the line and then there was other guys who looked like they were still sleeping on the plane even though that's we've been there the longest out of any teams um yeah what are you guys thoughts uh, on the game uh look I, I disagree that we didn't rock up i think the tw first 20 minutes we played really good rugby you know we stuck to our guns okay. we, we defended well um when we did kick it was a lot less aimless than it got towards the end of the game um, we just didn't convert possession into points. Can I, I disagree? Because I've heard a lot of people say this the first 20 minutes we played a good game of rugby. I, I completely disagree. I think that the first 20 minutes things went to plan. That was what they wanted to do. I don't think that that was a good rugby tactic. We expected it to be raining, yeah. to be pissing down with rain. It wasn't. We changed nothing, nothing about our tactic, nothing about our tactic. <laughs> and um, and we, we started to hoist the ball from the immediate get-go. Well, know? I think for the first 20 minutes, the thing was that we, we kept possession and territory. And I think it was always going to be a cagey game. You know, first game of the World Cup against New Zealand with the, the previous couple of games against them being so close. So I think for the first 20 minutes, especially early on, to, to gain that ascendancy, I don't think we did, there was anything wrong with it. I think, you know, how we dealt with them turning us over from our own mistakes and then going behind, our response wasn't good enough. And I yeah. think that was our big problem. I think, like I said in the first impressions, adaptability. We didn't, we did not play what was happening in front of us. Yeah. And I think as professional rugby players, like you, I don't understand what the, the processes are with the coaching staff. And when, when shit goes pear-shaped, like how do you, how do you work around that? Because 
it was clear that they were going for a game plan, but it mm. just wasn't working. Yeah. How, like, but that's exactly that. what I'm saying. What was the game plan? Well, the game yes. plan was to try to capitalize off of New Zealand's mistakes. That's this is it. the most moronic game plan against the best team in the whole world that you can possibly come up with. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, I agree. 100%. I think, uh, like we've all been saying for, for your quite some time, is that there can't be a plan A and that's it. There needs to be a plan C, sure. a plan B even, you know, just to start off with. Uh, because it literally, I mean, I think we saw a tweet uh, on it uh, during the match that they literally, yeah, a few tweets that literally said that they're implementing a game there where it was supposed to be raining, we're supposed to be a yeah. game. And they didn't just, they didn't change the game plan. And I mean, we literally kept on kicking ball away for absolutely no reason. And we, uh, Damien brought up an interesting stat this morning is that the All Blacks actually kicked 35 times, nine more times than the box. The difference is every single time that that's boot was used either by Moanga, by Barrett, or by Smith, it was accurate kicking. There was somebody able to contest that ball. There was did, didn't you have that stats as well? How many times they gathered? Yeah, yeah it was 19, 19 out of the 35. 35. So yeah. even if you're taking the kicks into touch, you know, that means that they have massive contest rates and they're winning it. Exactly. And, you know, that, and, and that goes back to, I think, what you were saying about you know, decision-making. And at the end of the day, these are professional rugby players. Yeah. And yes, you have a game plan. But at what point do you go, okay, well, as it's a professional, yeah. this is my day job. I need to be better. And this is, you know, playing <laughs> yeah. what's in front of you and make the decision. <laughs> um, okay, for me, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, for me, when you look at uh, Mapimpi, he's not good in the air. No. He's terrible. So why are we kicking box six on him? Exactly. exactly. And, uh, you know, you've got to go back to the coaching and go, first of all, how are you coaching these guys? Because, A, this is obviously the plan that you've instructed them to do. Why are you sticking with it? But at yeah. the same time, like I said, with the players, yeah. if the, if it's not working, when do, when are they going to step up and take responsibility? Yeah. Yes, Rusty, like we've been saying the whole weekend, did he actually watch the game? Mm-hmm. Because the subs were terrible. But and I also think what's frustrating is we've we've had so much build up to this World Cup, and we've seen a lot of mistakes that we've identified, and none of them have been corrected. In yeah. fact, it was almost like this was the moment where all of those mistakes came to the yeah. fore. Yes. You know, Fuff is one thing we're going to chat about. Fuff, I'm sure, lost, but my pimpy coming in wasn't solved he did it again yeah. this week you know? we, we kept on saying he's going to get caught yeah. out we he's, kept weak on saying he's weak on defense he's not good in the air and his kicking game is lacking so that's exactly what happened they targeted him on defense plenty of skip passes he rushed in all they did is okay we're going to skip you 100 percent on the kicks he's not contestable in the air i mean i think he's probably what's uh 185 187 i mean colby is about one one five three something like that, but he still gets up. He still go and fetches, uh, he, he goes to go fetch the ball. He's a good player. He's dangerous, and when he when he gets kicked on, he, he capitalizes. Hundred yeah. percent. So, so so that New Zealand is a good side. They stopped doing that. Exactly. Went straight to Mapimpi. Yeah, and I mean, if you're going to pick Mapimpi as a as a danger man, you know he's he's there to score points. He's not there to defend. He's not yeah. there to yeah. to capture high ball. And in a game against New Zealand that's not the tactic that you need because they're going to yeah. kick on him, they're going to expose him. Yeah. So, so put, I mean, you've got in course, he probably looks like, you know, one of the most dangerous wings in the world at the moment. Yes. And he's good under the high ball oh, and yes. he's committed on defense. So, not look, he's not the greatest defender, but he'll do a job. And oh, I mean, yeah. compared to Mapimpi, I think that we're lacking there massively. And even, I mean, if we're saying, we, uh, you know, he's picked there to go score, there was two opportunities. We ha- he had the ball one-on-one. And what did he do? He looked like he was a deer in the headlights and he ran straight, straight into the guy. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've seen multiple times, whether he puts a chip over, whether he steps the guy, whether he looks for the offload, 
He's just a much more easy to complete. He's the uh, steamroll some guys. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You just to the point, like, how are you making these selection decisions? Because we've all been watching all the games. We've seen the way the guys have performed. Um, what what are we doing with Mbappé there? You know, yeah. yeah. Nkosi should be starting. It is a. It is. 100%. I think the the only thing I can think of, which to me it still doesn't make sense, um, is height. I think the reason Nkosi is almost the same, just a little bit taller than Cheslin. I think what he wanted was a taller winger to be able to supposedly contest in the air. But now, yeah. once again, he's cuck in the air. So what's yeah. the point? Just because you're taller doesn't mean you're good. I think something else, you know, if we just move off of uh, the, the poor performances, something else I kind of like to bring up is on leadership. So, you know, there's been a lot harping on about that it's, um, it's a collective responsibility within the team. And it's a big you know, leadership group. Yeah, it's a big leadership group. And, you know, C is not doing this alone, uh, which I, I agree with. And I think that's probably the best way forward. But when we go back to the fact that if something's not working, why is somebody not putting up their hand and saying, boys, what we're doing right now is just not, we're not capitalizing on anything. We're not gaining ascendancy, nothing like that. So why aren't the guys putting up their hand and saying, we can't kick ball away. Why isn't somebody like Dwayne Familan or even Sierko Lisi or Andre Pollard saying, Faf, you need to calm down, give the rest of the team the ball so we can go play. Because at the moment, what's happening is that Faf almost seems to play a Farida Pri role. And that's 100% fine if you have something like Farida Pri on the field. If <laughs> or you Conor are, Murray. If, exactly, or Conor Murray. If you are a general, if you are seeing things three, three phases in advance and you know what's coming, <clears throat> excuse me, and you, you can play the game so accurately and, and really control the game, that's fine. That's the type of person you need to control the game from the base. But Faf doesn't have that skill set. So why isn't anybody stepping up and saying, we, we can't do what, you, what you're doing. We, we're constantly giving ball away. We're not backing our own boys. What's going on? That's, so I don't know what you guys think about that. I actually, actually think, think you're very right, Spiru. Like if you take a moment to, to, to look at, at this World Cup and its significance for us, like as a country, we've got uh, Sia captaining, he's the first black captain going into World Cup like sure. this. It's, a, it's an incredible moment. I want to feel like Sia is the captain yeah. when we play yeah. rugby, and I don't feel like that. You know? I, I don't want some sub at 55 minutes. He doesn't, 50. He, uh, 50, sorry, 50. He didn't deserve that. He was having a decent game. Yeah, I think he was like one, well, yeah. one of the better players. He was in whole lot, like, 100%. The thing is with, with him is, I, I think we lost a lot of leadership when he did come off. We lost a lot of direction when he did come off. Yeah. Mm. And the, look, the only thing I can hopefully, and, or the way I'd explain it, was he must be carrying an injury. That's the only reason Rassi would have pulled him at that stage. Unless, you know, Rassi doesn't know what he's doing, which I'd, I'd like to believe he still yeah, kind we, of we, is. We'll, we'll you know, I don't want to say hopefully that's the case. I don't no, want to that's say that's exactly. hopefully, hopefully it's fine when we go through, but, but hopefully that is the case. That's why the decision was made. But still, you know, I think there are egos floating around that team, you know, and, and that is what needs to be curbed. We've seen, we've seen Yankees come on for, for Fuff. And have a completely different kind of game. Yeah. So we were saying, is Rassi asking Faf to kick? It seems like Faf just kicks for himself. Yes. yes. And why, why does Faf feel like he's able to do that, make the decision on behalf of every single person in that team? Because if I was playing in that team, I would have something to say to that oak. 100%. Because he hasn't given me the ball. I'm yeah. here to play the World Cup, you know? And we kept on saying, every single time, every single time, I'm, I hope everybody heard me saying that, the wing gets the ball, the outside center gets the ball, whether it's Nkosi, whether it's Um, whether it's Creel, whether it's Colby, or even Mampimpi. 
something happens. Yeah, they look dangerous. Something happens, and we have so much talent. Why not give the guys the ball? Why don't give? Why don't we give them a crack? Because even if it comes off fifty percent of the time, we're gonna at least gonna go score. Trump. Yeah, and we've gained meters as well. Yeah. I mean, Cheslin Colby was two magnificent breaks. Oh. And 23 meters. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's yeah. so. I, I want to go back to and the. He didn't the get good ball. No, 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 that no, was no. just him rocking up on the day. Nobody gave him a good ball. Because that was he had to go yeah. and work for that. It was ball. a broken plane that he yeah. got that ball. So just going back to the Fuff thing. So something that I, I actually watched some some old footage of Fuff, um, and I, I I've been trying to decipher this to this whole thing a little bit and. Fuff, when he was at the Lions, was a frenetic player. He would play too quickly sometimes, mm. and that would that would ultimately that would ultimately be, you know, to his demise sometimes because sure. the team wouldn't be able to keep up with him at, at times. And you know, now that he's trying, gone to um, gone to the UK, they've almost told him to slow down, mm. and now he has okay. gone the other way. And he is now his delivery is slower. He used yeah. to be pretty quick off the base. He used yeah. to be. Now he's just gone the other way. And now it's actually slowing out. It's killing our game. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, along with the kicking, of course. Uh, and uh, you just look at a su- and the fact that Yankees came on in what the seventy second, seventy first, is absurd. I mean, if uh-huh. you just look and we say it every single time, look at as soon as he comes on, the ball starts moving. It's literally the pace is picked up tremendously, and that's when our guys look dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because when you give um, Fuff the opportunity to wait five seconds at the base, the defense goes and resets. Yeah. Not only that, you've got Fuff waiting for the ball to come out, and they've got the, the train that they set up yeah. for the box kick, and then yeah, you've still got Fuff pointing his toe every time he kicks. So it's not, it's not like a surprise tactic, you know, even no. though it's the most predictable thing before he does it. Yeah. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that's what, that's what he's going to do. I've, and it just yeah. makes it so predictable and very, very easy, like you said, to defend against. Because even when he does put the kicks over, they're, not, they're often not contestable. Yeah, yeah no, no, nobody. In fact, he kicked some very, very bad box kicks, yeah. just yeah. in terms of skill set, you know. I think we would have been upset if he kicked the box kicks at all. Yes. based on how many you kicked but even when he did kick some of those box kicks he wasn't the best box kicker in the field you and know? Yeah. that being said he wasn't the only one who was kicking badly mm. Pollard didn't kick well no, no, Billy didn't. didn't kick well no. so in general this is our our game is a kicking game and we're not executing it well at all yeah, yeah. yeah. so this is a big, big questions problem. around that yeah. so, so something that I was just thinking of now is um, um and I feel so sorry yeah, for him. Yeah, he doesn't get the bloody ball. And, you know, he was picked in the side because of his attacking and running yes, ability. He yeah. runs good lines. He's very, I think he's quite solid on defense. Yes, um, he's had a fantastic defensive couple of games. And oh, the, yeah. the big problem now is that he's had to cover Mapimpi. Yes. Mm-hmm. So have you noticed? So Mapimpi shoots in and Am goes across, mm-hmm. along with Delaney. Yeah. So now he, he has to work extremely hard. But then the one thing that he was picked for He's not getting an opportunity yeah. to do, and then he gets yeah. pulled off the field. So he's just basically attack. He's a he's a tackler. That's all he's doing in the game yeah. is defending. And I feel sorry for the guy. Uh, but I mean, if we if we just look at the game holistically uh, in terms of all of the players, I think there's a few guys who just didn't rock up. Um, a dependable um, performer for I mean the last couple of years. Brain didn't have a good game. Um, Pollard also uh, did not step step up. He didn't uh, grab the the game by by the scruff and control it like he should. Uh, I think Vili, unfortunately, we kind of also know that he's either hot or cold, um, and he was cold. 
Um, <laughs> and there was, I mean, we were saying it throughout the game yesterday. There were some guys who you saw them come off the field, and like that's the first time I've seen them. Like even Itzbeth, there yeah. was, I mean, no, was the first. I mean, Absolutely. literally the first time we saw him was coming off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, which also, I mean, Marks also didn't have a stick up his hand. No. And you, you depend on your playmakers in a big game to put up their hand and say, "I'm going to lead this team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a difference." It just didn't feel like, except for you know, the two or three individuals that we'll chat about just now, um, who actually put up their hand and you know got involved, uh, who went looking for work. It didn't feel like. That uh, the guys were guys were there. Um, yeah, unfortunately. I think another thing is um, we lack impact off the bench. Mm-hmm. I think in the last couple of games, our bench has come on and made a big difference. Yeah. Or not 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 necessarily a big difference, but they continued the pressure or continued the the way we've been playing. It. That's actually exactly what one of the pundits was saying. I think it was Nick Mallet or somebody was saying. Um, why are we subbing the way we're subbing? we subbing? We, we jibbled people mm-hmm. into that game in the second half. If you're going to make a, a bench sub and you're going to sub a whole bunch of guys that we didn't think needed to come off, um, do it so that you can have a huge impact. You know, Sub your entire front row. Yeah. Get everybody in there at the same time so that the, the whole game's tempo can be lifted. You know, Especially in a game like that because everyone's tight, man. It's so hot there. Yeah. I mean, not only that, you look at, um, and I actually said it before the game, that someone like uh, Francois Lowe on the bench especially chasing the game he came on and made no impact yeah he, he was quite lucky not to give away penalties actually yeah. um, and you've got someone like Quaker in your squad chuck him on the bench and then you know he makes a massive impact sure, he, yeah. he, you know he speeds the tempo of the game up and he's always active and he's, he's getting to to rucks and making tackles and stealing ball and I think he offers very similar characteristics I, I, to flow I, I actually think our bench is lacking very much because as much as the guys on the bench are good enough they're good players if you're not going to use the, that bench that we've now set out for that game like that, if you're not going to change the game by, by making subs that impact things in an important way, then what you need to do is have a bench that's a plan B bench. You said it. How do you not put Yankees on that bench? Yeah. And, and it's going to hurt his confidence because now we don't want him in the game. Yep. I would have loved Yankees to come yes, on well, in that game. I mean, Pollard, like we said, didn't have the most fantastic game. And then you've got Francois Stein as your option on the bench. And Francois Stein is... Know, as solid and dependable as he can be. I actually would have learned staying to come he on should have in come that on. game. But I, 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 I would much rather have someone like Elton Yanchis. If your your first ten option is not working, he brings a different aspect to the game. Yeah. So it's where Pollard, you know, is very controlled and, and everything, Yanchis gives a fantastic front football to his back line. Yeah. So, and you know, creates gaps and, and he, yeah. he's more of a playmaker than Pollard is. And I think that's what we needed, some injection of yeah. of you know tactical kind of you know intelligence yeah. that we were lacking so going back to the substitution thing I think the two guys who sort of made an impact were Sneiman I know he threw one bad pass and it's, it's okay we recovered from it but the one thing that I can say is that we, throughout the game we were not running onto that ball mm-hmm. Fuff when he passed was passing to stagnant players yes. mm-hmm. um, and and that for me the the only the only two people that I can think of that were carrying the ball efficiently were um, Kitsov and Peter Steptoy, and those two guys were and running onto the ball, running hard, and and going back to the subs now. Snaman came on, injected that pace of running onto the ball, looking for the offload, but then now there's no one running off of him. Then Yankees. Yankees comes on and now he's throwing that ball around. Mm-hmm. That's the injection of pace. Look, that his we passing need. wasn't fantastic at times, but it was he was passing the ball, which is great. Um, the other thing, I, like for, for me, and it's normally a massive bugbear of mine, but he did carry the ball yesterday with Damien Dallander. I thought that 
you know, he didn't pass, but he was getting <laughs> over the game line and he was making heated. So, you know, sometimes you just need that go forward impetus. And yeah, I think he did provide that yesterday. It did break our play up at, at times because obviously it could have gone wide. But he was actually one of the players that did do kind of his job and his role yeah. well. Um, I mean, just before we move on, I think uh, I think we obviously uh, all are a bit emotional about the game. Uh, something that we can maybe uh, take as a, as a positive, uh, looking at it objectively, is the, that we won the second half. Now, that doesn't win you a game, but we, we were the better team in the second half. We won that 10-3, but again, we didn't play good enough rugby uh, to, to go win that match. Um, but I think, again, like we said, the first 20 minutes was ours, and then within... I think the space of what we said four or five minutes they scored three times and mm. that's exactly what happens when you're going to make those mistakes against that type of team they're going to they're going to punish you and if you look at it all i think all the tries came off mistakes from the opposition no, i mean even our try mm. peter steph literally walking over the line because no one put up a pillar in the post and i mean it encapsulated the game for me peter steph scored that try by taking the ball away from fuff's hand <laughs> <laughs> do and not let him stretch the ball <laughs> I think that is a fantastic, fantastic way to move on to our next segment, saying uh, who do we think was a stand-up performer? Who do we think was the player of the match? Um, and uh, I'm going to give the, that opportunity to to Cat, uh, to excuse me. Uh, firstly, are you going to continue with your, your, your Peter Steph the Toy uh, mission here? Because, I mean, he was, he was the man on form. He really was. Yeah, I think for me there were two guys that, that contended for player of the week. It was Peter Stephan, it was Cheslin. I'm sure somebody will chat about Cheslin, but um, let's talk about Peter Steph. He was there, he came to play, and the guy's been a standout performer every single game. Yeah. Um, I was one of the guys who was skeptical about moving him out to flank. He's proved me wrong. Um, he's done so much work, yeah. especially on defense. He's an incredible player, and I can only see him improving. This is the form of his life at yeah. the moment. The guy's never going to play better rugby than he's playing right now. Uh, yeah, give him the ball. Give him more ball. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll grab Jeslin here. I think, <laughs> I think he was fantastic. Um, he worked, his work rate was impeccable. He was great in the air. Oh, yeah. um, and every time he touched the ball, something happened. Yes. And that was purely because he manufactured it. Um, we were saying yesterday that if you want to teach a youngster what it means to play rugby, show him a clip of Jeslin Cole. Mm-hmm. Because not the biggest guy, you know, not the strongest guy, but he's flipping inspiration. His work rate is unbelievable. His heart and his commitment is, I, I go as far as to say, it's probably the most, in, in my opinion, the most committed rugby player in the yes. world. You know? yeah. he, and he's also made of some substance that allows him to get absolutely smoked every time <laughs> and just bounce up. Because, um, I mean, the, the, the amount of times he got taken out yesterday in the air, you know, in massive tackles, and, you know, the guys just get straight back up and goes back to work. Yeah. I think, you know, at one point you got smoked, put the ball down, stood up, picked it up and made another couple of meters and you're yeah. going, jeez, you know, who's, who's thinking like that? Who's, everyone else is going, okay, let's recycle, let's set up another phase where he's going, how can I make the most meters? How can I, you know, give us the best yeah. uh, impact and the best chance? And, you know, fantastic, fantastic guy to have inside. I mean, I think Mallet was saying the only way, or a couple of years ago, at least, the only way he'll play for the Springboks is if they move into scrum on. Yes. And I think the fact that he is now our first choice wing just shows how much effort yeah, the guy's put in. says a lot of things. No, no, sure. <laughs> but I mean, this is, he is a former Springbok coach, so you're looking at someone who, you know, hopefully does have the knowledge, but, and I think that was a sentiment at the time of a lot of people. 
he's not big enough and he's just proved everyone wrong which is yeah. fantastic yeah. 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 he's a quality player and I think a lot of the Springboks could eat some of the cereal that Chesman's eating every morning because <laughs> a lot of the guys who've got a lot of intrinsic talents didn't rock out they felt the nerves and Chesman worked so hard for every single piece of impact yeah. that he made in that game but he did it and it was incredible yeah. and I think his best attribute is that he puts himself in the position to make a difference I mean we look at he popped up everywhere he <coughs> chased every ball he contested every ball he made all the tackles he, uh, he, he literally he, he put that, I mean if we go back uh, to uh, that try that he was 150% going to score oh, Billy's but pass, Billy bro. with no pressure on him <laughs> throws a duck and Cheslin I mean he's still caught it yes great he's still he's still caught it. Yes, <laughs> the, on the floor first but on, on the ground first but it's I mean it just goes back uh, to, to the point that if you put yourself in the right position, if you're constantly in support, you're going to make an impact. And, and he, he was it, there. It just shows his skill set is so good. Oh, he he catches smart. well. He, and I mean, if you look at the rest of the back three, that's where they're lacking. Their yeah. basics are not good enough. Yeah. They're, not, they're not catching the ball in the air. Their mm. passes are poor. They're not making the tackles. Cheslin doing all those things and then doing them fantastically. Which reminded me of like uh, four or five years ago when you used to watch the Argentinian side play in World Cups just like this and the only person who could play was Sanchez. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you feel so sorry for this guy because he's wild and he's just playing to people who, can't, who are just not at the same level that he is. Yeah. And this is ridiculous that this is how it felt watching the Springbok back line. Keeks, your player of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with Kitsov, uh, one of the heavies. Um, <laughs> yeah, so still my choice. Yeah, nice, new, nice new haircut. <laughs> Get Very aerodynamic. Got a nice lid going on there. Um, so yeah, no, he played bloody well. Yeah, I think his strumming. Listen, Malhava is terrible. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but yeah, so Kitsov, just his carrying. Um, his his defense was impeccable as well. Uh, his scrummaging, um, even though the two other plonkers next to him didn't do so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we got dominated, unfortunately, but I don't think it was Kitsov. Yeah. I think it was Malhaba getting exposed. Yep. But, yeah, so Kitsov's running and defense and everything, was, he was yeah. incredible. Um, just really, really, I don't, know, I don't understand how any of the fours weren't motivated by that. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's a shame. I agree 100%. I think the galloping Nachi, he really, uh, he, uh, he led from the front. Um, and what's, what's kind of nice to see when we were talking earlier about the, the leadership, I think he really, he took the step up and said, I'm going to lead by example. And he was there with the carrying, with, uh, with the defense, uh, just the, the dirty work as well. He rocked his behind off. Um, but Keys, you stole my choice. Uh, I'll go for somebody else. Uh, but firstly, I'd like to mention, how in the hell was... Bowden Barrett selected for man of the match by by that TV pundits. I, I didn't really see him all that often, so I don't understand how he got that. Um, maybe they just picked the player of the year as the default choice. Anyways, <laughs> I would. I, I actually think if, if we can talk about that for a second, I think it's interesting that he was picked because he wasn't standout. I mean, no. I've seen Bodhi have much better games than he had uh, on Saturday, but. Um, it spoke to me about the way that New Zealand won that game because New Zealand didn't rock up to play that game. They, we, they weren't at, at all as good as we've seen them. Yeah, yeah. And for me, Bodie being picked as man of the match encapsulates the idea of New Zealand as a team. Nobody played well, yeah. but they played as a unit. Yeah, that's exactly it. They didn't have a single standout, fantastic player. Oh, yes. Like, Odyssey oh, yeah, played. He, well, yes, they were good players, but there was no one that you were going, geez, he's, this person's absolutely changed the game. Whereas... Yeah. I think that, you know, just like I was saying, it shows that they, 
as a whole, as a unit, they were so much better than us, even yeah. though their individual performances weren't fantastic. Um, I mean, if you, I think if you look at it just from a stat perspective, uh, Sebu Reese would probably be the man of the match, uh, but that's because uh, Mampimpi didn't know how to defend, <laughs> so he got about 300 meters uh, just running uh, because there was nobody in front of him. But um, I probably have to go back and give my man of the match, if we're just talking about the South African point of uh, view, to Lokonyo Am. I honestly thought defense was so critical in that game and he shut it down. I mean, there was always going to be, you know, um, a danger with Crotty there because he's a fantastic distributor with uh, Leonard Brown and then with uh, Bridge and Sammy Reese who've been on fire. And then you obviously you have got Barris coming from fullback. And I, th I honestly feel... Lukanya arm shut all of that down very quickly um, and when the ball did go over his head it wasn't him it was a skip pass over Mampimpi um, so and I, I thought that uh, he got involved he didn't get the ball once because we all know Dallin doesn't pass um, but I honestly think he is grown in stature and for me there was always a toss-up between him and Creel uh, for outside center I think he solidified himself as the first choice outside center and let's just give the man some more, please. Yeah. That, that's, I want to see him run, man. That's why I'm a Shark supporter and enjoy watching that guy with ball in hand. Yeah, he's good. He's too good. Uh, but going from the, the good, uh, not to the bad, but just straight up to the ugly, guys. Plonker of the week. Who do we think was just an absolute mess on the field uh, on, on Saturday? And uh, let's not all go for fuff, please. <laughs> well, someone needs to go for <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to go for Faf, I, I feel like we could just, yeah, we could talk about Faf all day. So I think I'm going to go with Ryan Crotty. Um, he was an empty jersey the entire game. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, as you guys all know, I do I do enjoy the way he plays. I think he's a brilliant player. Are you sure, Keith? I've never heard you um, say that. Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm an objective person here. <laughs> Come on, guys, give me some credit. <laughs> so, no, I just, I think he, he really wasn't there. Hey? I think... It's just possibly because of the injuries and, and whatnot. I think he, uh, yeah, he's, he really wasn't there. Um, I think an honourable mention will be uh, the Frank, well, what's his, uh, Ben Franks, or Ben Franks, I always confuse the two, uh, dropping a shoulder into Malcolm Marx's head well, and uh, right in front of the, the assistant referee and it wasn't picked up. So We'll get there. I think that's quite, <laughs> I think that's quite. Uh, I think that's I'll, I'll segue in here because my plank of the week after Faf is actually Malcolm Marks. I think as you know, apparently he spent time working on his line out throwing and then didn't train anything else for this <laughs> <laughs> Because that's pretty much all he did. Um, for someone who's supposed to be the best hooker in the world, um, he really didn't show up on the day. I really don't think he made much. Isn't even the best hooker on the street. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> I really think that he didn't, you know, for, for the levels that we expect him to perform at, he was no, nowhere close. And I think that was really where we lost a lot of impetus and a lot of, you know, he's normally absolutely devastating at direct time and really strong at scrum time and, and you know, in the malls. Our malls were terrible. Mm. And, you know, granted it's not just him, but I really don't think he made much of an impact yesterday. Uh, Plunk of the week for me was uh, Rassi Erasmus. <laughs> Um, I was watching that game along with the rest of South Africa and probably a lot of the world and I could see what needed to be done and so could everybody else and Rassi didn't do it and this, this dogmatic plan that we've 
we keep keeping to is something that's really ruining rugby at the moment, in my opinion, is we go, oh, we're going to make this sub here, we're going to make this sub here. What the hell was going on on Saturday? Why on earth was um, Yankees put on with eight minutes to play? That guy doesn't want to go on and play eight minutes of his opening Rugby World Cup game. Nobody wants that to happen. Why didn't that change happen if it was a response to to the bad the bad scrum half performance? Then why didn't it happen way earlier? Yeah, first and, half and actually. Exactly. So I think you know it's lots of things. You were saying that uh, that Am was Am was uh, dealing with Cotty very nicely. He was that actually forced a, a Sunny Ball sub, and uh, um also off the field. There were terrible decisions made, and I think those decisions were made way before we got to the field. Yeah. And nothing changed. The plan didn't change. The whole plan didn't change, even in terms of the, the rain thing. We yeah. thought it was pouring with rain, so we just said, guys, let's pretend that it's pouring <laughs> with rain. Yeah. But I mean, I think it was a comment that you made yesterday is why did Rusty even come to the game? Yeah. Because obviously he planned his subs, and you know, that, that was what was going to happen. Yeah. So yeah. why was he there? He could have phoned him in. Yeah. He didn't have to be there. Yeah. 100%. No, I agree. Um, I think for me, Plank of the Week. Um, Besides the obvious choices that we've kind of uh, put out there, I honestly think that it's uh, a collective decision on my side on the um, on the leadership group. Uh, I know I alluded to it earlier, but it's disheartening uh, because we've all played some decent rugby in our in our own times, and regardless if you are a leader on the team or if you a uh, a follower uh, within the team structures, you you need a leader. You need somebody to make that decision that everybody looks up to and say guys we are missing about we need something else and that was very disappointing to me is that the collective leadership that's been talked about that's been praised that's been advertised for the last six months did not make the step up and did, they did not make the changes uh they just nobody took responsibility and it was kind of you're very raspberry and, and that's one of the things like you can actually see a team playing a good team and getting beaten and you can feel that you watched a good game of rugby yes, what was disappointing was exactly what you're talking about is you can you could see the heads drop yeah you know after those those few trials you mm. definitely saw it 100 and um you know it's it, it's something that has to change if we want any type of shot at this world cup um if we look at all the teams that are going to be contenders, Ireland has fantastic leadership. England, he's an absolute plonker, but Owen Farrell, <laughs> the guys respond to Owen Farrell. It's that yeah. simple. Um, same thing with Australia, with Hooper and with Pocock, guys respond to their captain. Um, and sorry, just the leadership, not just the captain. So for me, it's a case of that we, we need to be able to gravitate to somebody's decision making to somebody saying guys we need a different plan uh, and sometimes a player uh, the collective needs to say that to the coach this is not working and nobody did that for me uh, which is a bit disappointing um, but I mean let's let's say work off the players and the coaches and so something we've been very very uh, cognizant of is making sure because as rugby fans it's very easy to hop on the referee and always talk the most shit about the referee. So for this podcast itself, we've created a very special segment where we give ourselves five minutes to rant about our ref on the match, and then we let that go because sometimes I think in any South African conversation or bry, um, we can hop on about it. So let's have our, our rant, uh, our ref rant, excuse me. And um, I mean, I think we were all very, very conscious of the fact that we had two French referees. And for some reason, they don't like us very much. I don't know if it's because we have better wine than them. 
Um, <laughs> but they really don't like us. Um, so, guys, I mean, for me, gosh, he missed a lot of calls, but I think he had, he missed it both ways. So oh, I don't no. think he negatively impacted, I think, the outcome of the game necessarily. I don't know what you guys thought. Look, uh, I think that, you know, at World Rugby, well, World Cup level, at least, you need to be better. Yeah, regardless of, of, of how it did. I think there was an impact on the game. I think that okay. he missed uh, he missed calls both ways, like you say, but I think there were slightly more that he missed that would have favoured us. Okay. Um, not only him, these touch judges are also terrible. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, uh, he was, yeah, it's just really not good enough. And yeah, yeah, sure. the... the the decision that epitomized it for me was actually when the Springboks got a penalty for dropping Mostad. Yes. We decided not to catch our, our jumper and yeah. got a penalty for it. <laughs> and it's like at that level, how is that not, how is that being given? Where, yeah. you know, and it's not even like the, the New Zealand jumper was next to him. Yeah. He was, yeah, it was made almost like half a, you know, club behind him. Yes. And you're going, how is that the decision that's being yeah. made? So I'll, I just want to say that you know, ultimately, I don't think the the refs' calls impacted the game hugely. I don't think we rocked up either way. So yeah. New Zealand deserved to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. So you, I think that needs to be said. But there were a few things that the that the refs continually kind of missed that offside, that offside line, <laughs> and it's both sides. I'm not I'm not saying that. Yeah. We were offsides often. Um, the Kiwis were pushing that boundary very well, if I can put it that way. Um, and like I said, with uh, with Franks right in front of the bloody touch judge off that mall, um, gets drops a shoulder on to what's the name of Malcolm Mark's head, and uh, like it's those small little things, you yeah. know. Um, the play, the advantage that he played was absolutely bizarre. Um, he would play advantage um, and then allow the game to continue, and the the All Blacks would be going backwards. And you're thinking, where when's this advantage going going to end? You yeah. know, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. That being said, he did give three really good advantages when the All Blacks scored their one try. Well, there so, we I go. Mean, so there, it wasn't all bad, yeah. but I mean, at the same time, at one point, you had like a New Zealand defender standing at second receiver for the box. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that offside line was not pleased because he puts his hand out to warn them, but he doesn't look where the offside line is. He's no. too yeah. busy looking for it. And Adi Sovia, it was Adi Sovia who came around. Who came oh, from, from that position yeah. for them from the mall? Yeah, yeah he was terrible. offsides. He needed to retreat and then come forward. Yeah, because the line of work, the yeah. line of the mall was over yeah. essentially, yeah. Yeah. but he still needed to go back. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think at any level of rugby, uh, obviously, I mean, the international uh, scene as well, all he wants is consistency. So yeah. if the ref is not going to blow offsides, that's fine, but yeah. then we know it's consistent. Yeah. But I mean, but there was just again, just inconsistency uh, whether if it's with the offsides whether if it's with guys coming from the side advantage and then you, you know you don't know what to expect um, so then it's you know he's, he's playing by his, his own rules and you don't know how he's going to interpret the next phase and it's, not, it's never nice to watch that I think you know you're right at the end of the day rugby is a complicated game yeah. and it requires a bit of human refing that's why we have a ref on the field. It's the same as football. You know, the guys need to make decisions and they need to control the game. And I think we saw that the refing was going to be bad this World Cup when we saw who the refs that were selected were. I mean, I don't understand how this popularity contest is working, but the guys who have been refing well are not the guys who have gone to the World Cup. And refing rugby is not about, unfortunately, 
they make it about uh, stats and, and calls and you, how often do we see at the end of the game we saw it in ours as well penalties going the way of the losing side because they need to get the penalty count even yeah it's it's a bullshit way of, of uh, organizing referees because what a referee actually has to do is make sure that the game goes well and it's exactly what uh, what wasn't happening on Saturday um, the breakdown was a mess offsides was a mess for both sides um, and uh, those kind of things are what the ref needs to control and you, you can make a game better as a ref by allowing teams to, to be marshaled properly and that's the, how it needs to work. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm not sure who the ref is for the next game um, but I think the, the, the big games um, with, between the big uh, teams, I think unfortunately just because of the magnitude of it, they deserve the better refs and we, we've established this a long time ago as soon as we heard who's refing the New Zealand South African game, we all literally throw our hands up in the air saying, Why are we having a sub quality type of ref blowing this type of uh, game? Um, but sure, no, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, if you look at his Wikipedia page after last night, <laughs> <laughs> someone's, someone's decided to definitely edit that. I don't think that's an original <laughs> contribution from him. But yeah, obviously, the, the South African public in general feels very similar to we do, and maybe even slightly stronger. So I think, language. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, even as a Kiwi, I mean, I, I went onto social media last night just to have a squiz at, at what people were saying, and the Kiwis were even saying that you know that admittedly you had, you had South Africans saying we didn't show up, Kiwis deserve to one hundred percent, but the Kiwis were also saying wow that was atrocious refereeing, and I mean, ultimately the Kiwis are also looking forward to this game as sure. a as a rugby mm-hmm. spectacle, but it just once again, you know. A French referee pisses on, pisses all over this game, <laughs> completely screws it up, and we're back at this at this point again. So yeah, hundred um, percent. So I think we're all in favour of uh, our, our favourite Welsh referee refing yeah. all the big games. So let's just make sure we maybe clone him, and uh, he can ref, ref all the games. Um, but I mean, let's let's look to our our next game. Uh, which is against uh, Damien, please remind me. We are playing against. Thank you, Namibia. Is it Canada? Yeah, it's Namibia. Namibia. On Saturday. Is it Namibia? On Saturday, yeah. On Saturday, okay. So we are playing against Namibia. Um, so I think the predictions obviously will you know, be pretty easy to, to, to make there. But uh, let me rather ask a different question. What do you think in terms of uh, what is going to be the strategy? What would you like to see? Um, do we want to pick our our best squad and gain some form. Obviously, they can't play every single pool game, but are we? do we want to give the other guys a run um, to put up their hand uh, in order for Rassi to be able to judge um, who's my best 23? So, I'll open this up. Uh, I think um, I've got two points to make here. The, as a player, let's say, use Elton, for example. He is more than likely going to be selected to start for the lower tier teams. and. This absolutely crushes me that as a player, you are wanting to develop and grow and get better and better, but you're not being given the opportunities to do so. And it goes back to what you're saying about player confidence. How would you feel as a player? That is what they're basically saying that you're only worth playing against Namibia or Italy or Canada. And that as a player, I think that's a big kick in the dick to me. Um, I think that is <laughs> that is really not not great. I, I wouldn't feel too... And as a player, you, you, you go into a game like that, 
and you it's really not you're playing shadow rugby honestly and it's a, it's a bit of a well and then going on to my second point i think we will pick a, a b team for for those lower tier teams i think it's just how it's going to happen and i think it goes back to the rugby championship where we had that a to b side that's where it started yeah so i think it's just not been the right um but it just doesn't create the right mentality within the squad fair enough you probably know where you stand but if you know you're not one of the top tier players per se um, I think you do take the confidence not. The other thing is, do we know what our best team is at the moment after that New Zealand game? That's that's my whole point. Is I mean, what, how do we go into this next game? Like, is Bapimpi still our best winger? Is Fuff still seen as our best nine? And this is the thing. I mean, it's yeah, man. I think the build up to this World Cup, we've seen a very specific coaching strategy, and we've discussed it a lot. And I think the A and B team. Is a, is a terrible idea. Don't do that to the boys. Don't demean the jersey. If you're the best player, contend for the for the top position. That that's how I feel about it. And I, and I, I agree. Now we're in a position where I think our B team, air quotes for the microphone, <laughs> our B team is our best side. Yeah. Look, but let, let's be let's be fair though. I mean, this has been done by every single coach in every single World Cup. Is that you can't play the same team every single week. That's just not feasible. So my question is then. I understand what you guys are saying about the, the B team players, air quotes, like I've said, um, feeling you know maybe a bit left out. But I would rather maybe see it the other way around, is to say that the guys above them, right, the, the, the first string guys, obviously had not a great game. So now, if I'm giving that opportunity to performance, they're not. That's my way of saying I need to, I'm going to play myself into the team. And that's all, that's what we all thought, and of course he did, throughout the rugby championship. I mean, he literally. He did everything right, everything that you could possibly ask of a winger, and we thought he played himself in. So you, you'd hope that if they get that opportunity, that it will be recognised. Well, he was supposed to right. apparently have played himself in, because he was, remember, one of the like, first names Rossi said is going to the yes. Yes. World Cup, and then apparently Rossi forgot about it, because he wrote him down <laughs> so early. Yeah, it's, 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 he's at the it's top the, of his... It's the same shit, you know, Keeks touched on it earlier, like, why was Mpimpi picked today? Like, maybe because he was taller and we needed a tall option. This is the kind of way that Rossi is making these decisions. It's a terrible way to make decisions. Play the guy who's on form. But isn't that almost a South African coaching mentality? You exactly. always want the biggest oak. You always want the you know the guys too small to play back row, or, yeah. you know, and it's it's wrong. You should be picking guys that deserve to be there and have been playing the best rugby. So going going to this next game, I I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that Incorsi will be selected to start mm-hmm. on the wing, and Incorsi will go and score some ridiculous amount of tries during that game. Or some he'll do or some he'll mad shit. Like he always does. Mad shit. And he will not be selected for the. Bigger games. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Uh, uh, I hope that he is, but I think, um, just to, to, to answer, I think he, Rossi will probably also select his B team, uh, yeah. which I understand. Um, but it really will be a case of, um, is Rossi will probably select the B team uh, because uh, you can't play the A team uh, all the time, uh, whether it's injuries, fatigue. Um, and this is probably the right game to, pl- to play your B-side because um, I think the idea is probably going to be to play your A-side the next uh, for game 3 and 4 leading up to the quarterfinals. Um, but I think the guys, uh, whether if it's uh, Herschel Yankees, I think Kurbus Reinach as well, um, Corsi, um, Elton Yankees, I think there's plenty of potential for guys to put up their hand and really take it by the scruff and say, I deserve to be in this team. Uh, which I'm excited about. I know it's only against Namibia, and I know it's a shadow game, 
But I want the guys to put up their hand and just make it absolutely impossible for Rossi to ignore that. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, do we start Cheslin or Mopimpi as, as the extra winger? Remember, we've only got three, we've only got two guys covering the back three. Yeah. Maybe possibly Jesse Creel. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. The same with the back row. Who do we start for this? Well, Quaffa's there. Peter, Peter needs a break. Yeah, Peter definitely needs a break. So Quaffa, Flo, and? That's a good so, question. Yeah, so do we, I don't think we've got an extra player to cover that because we left Ulster at home. So yeah, it's something true. someone's going to have to play. We, we don't have a seven. We don't have a guy who covers seven, unfortunately. It's yeah. uh, a big call. Hey. Yeah. Um, I but guess we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mostert can play. Can but play he also needs a break. But he also yeah. can play ages. Um, uh, Scoreline, guys, what, what's the margin? What are you thinking? Oof. Oh, at least 25. Yes, hopefully. Uh, I'm gonna go with 40. Hey? Box by 40 at least. I think Super Bowl probably on 45. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with a conservative, uh, conservative 25. Okay. I think that uh, for me, yes, we should win this game easily. It's World Cup time. Anything can happen. We need to treat every game as a serious game. Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. I think I think one of the biggest concerns for this game is going to be injuries. Yeah, I yeah. think we need to be very, very careful on player management and yeah. making sure that everyone remains fully fit. Hundred um, percent. I'll go with a let's say thirty-two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just a just a try, try extra. Um, I'll go with thirty-two. Uh, again, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything else to add. Uh, agree with all the points being made. That um, the boys need to rock up. Uh, this is still a World Cup game. Uh, we need to put uh, off a uh, foot down and just have a bang over game. Uh, but yeah, guys, I think there's plenty of uh, rugby uh, still to be played. I think we are all very excited for the next six weeks. Um, I think as some of, some of us uh, have said, for uh, the foreseeable future, we are in a relationship with the Japan Rugby World Cup. Uh, <laughs> something uh, I think we're all looking forward to uh, chatting about. Uh, but ciao guys, uh, thanks. thanks for the chat, always fun. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to, to wrap it up with, any final thoughts? Uh, I think uh, I need to go and lie down, my head is very sore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a general sentiment. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, guys, uh, thanks for joining me. Um, for everybody listening, uh, this has been uh, Playing Advantage of the Rugby Podcast. We formats to chat about everything SA Rugby without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm going to do all the social media things, so please, we're on YouTube, we're on Castbox, we're on Twitter. Give us a, a like, a subscribe, or a follow, whatever you feel like doing. Uh, please don't take us too seriously. This is just uh, us chatting around a microphone, uh, but we look forward to, uh, to chatting next week as well, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to chat about something a bit more positive. A couple of ridiculous yeah. tries. We hope. There we go. Yeah. Biden Corsi and some outrageous uh, passing and skills from Quibus, Ranoch, and Richard Yankees. Uh, which are guys, until next week. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Right. So, 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 so,